0: Well, hello, everybody. God is good. You know what it was? It's kind of, I think God knows how to speak, obviously. But sometimes, like, he speaks so much. It's like trying to figure out what shoes to wear with the outfits. Like, oh, I love them both, Lord. You know? But you can't wear, like, one, one shoe, two different shoes on the same foot or you'll look ridiculous. But the nice thing about having two services, I'm like, oh, God, this is so good, but this is so good. Which one? He's like, do them both. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to do them both. So um, that's not something we normally do. We, we, we typically um, share the same message, first and second. But we are going into a new sermon series, and we're starting it out this week, and it's called Dunamis. Can you say Dunamis. And dunamis is a Greek word for power. And uh, we are going to be going into a sermon series about the book of Acts. And we're going to be on it for probably the next five weeks or so. And uh, there's so many incredible accounts in the book of Acts that really show God's power. Uh, The full name of the book of Acts is called Acts of the Apostles, but a lot of scholars believe it should be called Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is still acting and moving and being active in, in the in the life of the church today. And so it, if you actually read the entire book of the book of Acts, you see it really doesn't really have a conclusion or an ending because God is still moving and active today. And so super excited about what God is going to do in this service. The first uh, service is... I. Was supposed to be more of a teaching. And so I, I'm assuming that they probably uh, taped that one. I don't know if they're taping this one too. Um, and so you can go and listen to that if you if you missed that first service, and then today I felt for this service, it's going to be something that's more caught than taught, you know, it's going to be something that the the Holy Spirit is just going to kind of deposit in you, and so we're going to just ask the Lord right now to move on us, okay, so would you just pray with me, let's just, you know, if you would, it, just put our ourselves our in a position of receiving, so if you want to maybe even move your, you know, kind of reach out your hands like, okay, God's about to give me a present. I'm going to receive it. If you want to bow your head, close your eyes, whatever it takes for you just to kind of focus on the Lord and position yourself in a a way to receive. Father God, we just love you. Mm. We thank you for what you did in our service already, uh, first service and in worship. And right now in this very moment, I thank you for your so small voice that brings comfort, that brings peace. God, I pray that you would touch each person here today. God, I pray that you would prepare them and that you would help them get ready to receive what you have for them, the gift that you have for them. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so uh, this week we were praying about this whole new series, the Dunamis series, and uh, the Lord kind of gave me a picture of a present and uh, took of like of a of a child receiving a present, kind of kind of pictured like at Christmas time, you know, when kids are so excited to to see what's underneath the tree or the big present. And uh, you know, have you ever given a kid a gift and given him a present, and they said, you know what, I had enough Christmas presents last year. That's okay, I'm gonna pass on this. You know, my I have four children, jo- Pastor Josh and I do, and uh, their birthdays they're kind of saturated right here in the summertime, and so they have to watch each other get, you know, birthdays before their birthdays, and my my youngest son just turned five, and my middle son had a birthday in May, and his birthday is in June, and so Jordan, my middle son, turned eight and got all these presents, and so just as, as soon as his birthday... Jordan's birthday is over, he's preparing for his birthday. It's my birthday's next. That's how they kind of measure things. I'm next, my birthday's next. They celebrate with each other when it's their birthday, but when it's over, it's all packed away, it's my birthday's next. And so I'm asking Justice, you know, well, what do you want for your birthday? And he says, I want basically everything that Jordan got, duh. (laughs) You know what I mean? And the, the cool thing with the Heavenly Father is he says the one thing that we are allowed to covet is spiritual gifts is the gifts of the Spirit. And so if you see someone moving in the gifts of the Spirit, and you're like, man, you're allowed to say, I want that too. It's okay to do that. It's okay to say, they have something awesome from God, and I want that too, because God is not a respecter of people. He will give it to you just the same. And so we're going to talk about power, and I do want to do just a little bit of teaching here. Um, We're going to go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. And uh, verse eighteen and twenty, this is Jesus speaking, and he is talking to his disciples. He's kind of talking to him right when he was sending them out into the harvest field, and he's, you know, sending them out and telling them to go, you know, preach the gospel. And then he says this to him. He said, "I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give." Unto you, power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so he's given this instruction. He's saying, listen, you're I'm sending you out, but you don't have to be afraid because I'm giving you power. And the very first, you see there's two uh, words for power here. The very first one that he said power is a, a different Greek word than dunamis. It is a Greek word that's exousia. And this means delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, and strength. And so In some translations, you would read that Jesus actually said, I'm giving you authority to go out. And so through Jesus, we have authority in his name to go out and to share the gospel. But then the second word in the uh, King James in this verse of power, it is the dunamis power. It's the same word of power that we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, one of my favorite verses, that I will give you power through the Holy Spirit to go and, and, and preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the word the world. That word power is dunamis. And that is a different kind of power. That power uh, that Jesus is referring to is power over the enemy. And it's a it, and it is the ability or abundance, the worker of miracles, power, strength, violence, a mighty, wonderful work see friends before the baptism of the holy spirit we had authority in christ to do his work but when we receive this gift that god has for us called the baptism of the holy spirit we now have the ability and the authority to do his work i think a lot of christians they come and they give their hearts to the lord they they experience conversion they experience salvation they they know understand what it means to be born again and and that they have you know that that Through Christ they have authority. They're starting to understand that. But yet you see a lot of people waver in and out of the church, in and out of the relationship with God. They feel like they can never have victory over certain areas of their life. It's because they haven't experienced the fullness of God through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability. See, we understand God the Father, and and we understand that God the Son, Jesus, he died on the cross for us. But we are kind of spooked out, if you will, of God the Holy Spirit. But see, God is a multifaceted God. It's one God, but three parts. We believe it in the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But for some reason, we kind of, you know, well, we know the Holy Spirit's everywhere, but we don't really embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus himself said to his disciples as he was ascending, he said, listen, I'm not leaving you as orphans. A lot of us walk around with this orphan spirit that, that, you know, okay, yes, we know we're supposed to do this, and Jesus told us to do it. We understand the authority of Christ to go make disciples, but we can't we don't know how to do it. We don't have the ability to do it because we haven't received what he said he, he's going to give us, which is the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, friends, when we receive that, we add ability to our authority. Are you getting that today? God wants to add ability to your, the authority that you have in Christ. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants you to be victorious. But we have to wait for the gift that his father has promised. And the disciples who walked with Jesus on earth for three and a half years, if they had to wait for the gift That God promised through Jesus Christ the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. If they had to wait, and we see this in Acts chapter 2. I talked a lot about that first service. They had to wait in the upper room, right, 120 of them waiting and longing and, and tearing before the Lord saying, God, I want to be filled. And God touched them and baptized them, and they were speaking in tongues and all kinds of awesome things were happening. If they had to wait, even though they walked with Jesus for three and a half years, what makes us think that we can do ministry without the Holy Spirit? What makes us think that we can do it without the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit, friends? We need the ability to be added to the authority so that we can walk this thing out. There's been too many defeated Christians because we need the fullness of God. Amen? And so after Pentecost, there was this new kind of power. this dunamis power, or I like to call it the dynamite ability the enemy does not want us to have this kind of power because he knows the, that the authority that we have in Christ when we're born again, but he does not want to add ability to authority. But when we do, friends, we can overcome the enemy, but this is the thing. See, the Bible says that the gates of uh, of Hades or the gates of hell cannot withstand against the church, friends. This was the church that's baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's full of fire, full of love and passion for God, that has the ability to add to their authority to do what they can do, do all things through Christ, who gives them strength. And it and it says the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, cannot withstand against that kind of church, that kind of power, that kind of person who knows their God and has the Holy Spirit living within them but so often as a church we're so defensive we're always trying to guard what we believe and gather together and you know us for and no more type of of attitude that we're not going out into the world like Jesus told us to we're not going out into the world we're supposed to be on the offense not on the defense friends when we're when we're on the offense the enemy should be on the defense the enemy should be afraid when you walk in the room But until you add to the authority of Christ that you have in your life the ability to walk it out, you're never going to be victorious in Christ. And so the enemy wants you to be afraid. The enemy wants you to be held back from this fullness that God has for you. There's two baptisms that the Bible talks about. First is the baptism that we just experienced last week, a powerful um, service, second service baptism of water when when it's uh, a baptism of repentance of sins in the name of Jesus, right? You're 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 going down, you're being immersed, and saying, "I'm dying to this old self." You know, as the Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but, uh, but Christ lives in me. And so that represents dying to your old self and living new in Jesus. But then there's a second baptism, or what I like to call a second work of grace. It's still a free gift. It's something that's offered to us for a free gift from God that is given us the ability to do the work of the ministry. Why Why do we keep constantly falling and stumbling and, and so many Christians never having the abundant life that God talks about? Because we're not experiencing the fullness of what he has for us. And so, man, just like we encourage everyone to be baptized in water, man, we want to encourage everyone also to be baptized in fire, as the Bible says, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself baptized it's not it's not yes sometimes it happens by the laying on of hands and by people praying over you but it's not the people that can give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit it can only come from Jesus friends promised by God given by Jesus it's a beautiful thing when there's a fire and a passion do you know the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being like a signet ring or an engagement ring I like to picture it, it this way. When Josh and I were engaged, and Lord knew that we could only we can only do that for about six months, but we had a six-month engagement. We knew each other for a couple years, but when we knew he's the man, I'm the woman, and it's gonna happen. We we got the got the engagement ring that was given to us literally by God. When that happened, that the engagement was a promise. Of what was gonna happen it was just a taste and, and just a taste because when you do it when you do it the way that God has it to be done it is just a taste we just taste it right and, and just had a, a little glimpse of what an awesome marriage can be like when you're engaged it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit's our engagement ring we experience God here on earth the Bible says pray that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, friends. We're supposed to bring heaven to earth. Friends, we're supposed to walk out this kingdom, and that's an engagement ring. It's, the Holy Spirit is a promise of more to come. It's something that we should all eagerly want and long for. We should say, God, if God has this Holy Spirit for me, you know, I want it. G- uh, Jesus explained it like this. He, he told his disciples, he, he said, listen, fathers who are evil compared to God, basically, they know how to give their children good gifts. So if, if your son came up to you and said, hey, I'm hungry, I want a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. You're not going to give him the other, other white meat, right? You're not going to say, it tastes like chicken, it's snake, I don't got fish for you today. No, you're going to give him a fish, he said. He said, if he's hungry and he asks for bread, you're not going to be like, here, go chomp on this rock, right? You're not going to say, here, you can have this rock. This is what Jesus says. He says, but, but though you are evil in comparison to God as fathers, you're not a good dad compared to our good good God who is the heavenly father, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, how much more will he give it to you, friends? But for some reason, we like to overanalyze and we like to try to um, get it by some kind of knowledge or we like to get it by some kind of, um, uh, we have to be holy enough to get it. But listen, no, all of that, what matters is the faith. Do you have faith to ask and receive a few years ago when we were at kids camp and some of you guys have heard, heard this story before but um, every year at camp, God just does an awesome work, and people are, kids are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and speak in tongues, and began to move in the gifts of the Spirit, and get called into the ministry, and at youth camp too, it's just awesome, but a few years ago, um, when we went, it was my my son, who's about 13 now, he was nine at that time, and uh, he was really actively seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he got baptized in water at seven, or not seven, at six, and God really moved on him, and we thought that he was about to start, moving in the spirit right then, and uh, so he started praying and actively seeking it for about three years, and at camp, the Lord moved and moved on one girl, she got baptized, and then he got baptized, and my daughter, who was not even supposed to be, she wasn't even old enough to be at camp, but was only there because Pastor Josh and I were there and were leaders, so she came with us, she came up to me seven years old, seven years old, and said, Mom, with tears in her eyes, he's got it, and she's got it, and I want it and I said baby girl I said you look to heaven and you ask God for and he will give it to you right now and so she did she said God I want And she was crying, and that's it. And boom, the Holy Spirit came on her in such power and such fire. I was like, wow, it was so radical, friends. And and yes, sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it happens like when I was a kid at 13 years old and didn't really understand it. They gave an altar call at church one day, and I went down, and, and it was just a quiet, sweet thing. And then God revealed it and made it more powerful later on in life. It doesn't matter. What matters is your faith to believe. And sometimes we have to be like a child and believe. When he gives you a present, man, don't just sit it there on the shelf. Don't say, oh, look at this pretty box with a nice red bowl that's from God that he's given me. I'm going to open it up when I get to heaven. No, he's given it to you so that you can have the ability to walk out your faith here on earth. It's for the the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can move in the gifts of God to help you do ministry here on earth. And so I was praying for this service And I felt, okay, God, what should I talk about for this service? And I felt like that there's three, there's really more than three, but there's three hindrances that I want to talk about today that keep us back from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, first service is more of a teaching. This is going to be something I want you guys to catch, okay? The word hindrance is somebody or something that prevents or makes it difficult for somebody to do something, right? It's an obstacle of progression, an act of obstructing, progress. The enemy wants to hinder us from receiving everything that God has because he knows you get authority and you have ability. The gates of Hades cannot withstand against what's in you. And so he doesn't want you to have an understanding of what's really in you. He doesn't want you to walk in that fire and in that anointing. And so there's three things I think the enemy really pushes against us. And I got them all three starting with you to make it easier for you to remember. And so the first one I want to talk about is Unrepentant sin okay? Unrepentant sin or unconfessed sin. Acts 2 is when the baptism of the Holy Spirit first fell upon upon the disciples. They were speaking in tongues. The Holy Ghost took over. It was all kinds of awesome. But then Peter got up and he preached. And he said this to people that were listening in. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and what and for all who are far off. So those people who say that's only for the New Testament, then why would he say all who are far off? Right? And it says for all whom the Lord will call. So it's for everyone that wants it. If you want it, God has it for you. So the the Holy Spirit moves and power in your life, but oftentimes we're prevented or hindered, I should say, from receiving the baptism because we have some un, we have some unrepentant sin in our life some things that we haven't dealt with that we haven't confessed before the lord see the catholic church you know you know at one time all, all Christians were catholics right so the catholic church built up this thing that they made it uh, they almost in some ways made an idol out of confession that like you had to only go to a priest and you had to confess in a little box but yet it, it, we've kind of got away from confession and we need to confess to one another because according to the Bible it says that if we want to receive your healing that we need to confess and repent to one another, okay? You read that in James chapter 5. So we should confess to one another and we should confess especially to God, and so there's importance in confession. You know, David when he fell into adultery, it, it says that um, before he confessed, it said that that in, that his bones were like literally wasting away. I believe that there are sick, there's sickness in the body because of unconfessed sin, trying to uh, pretend to be one thing that we're not. And so, I also believe that we don't receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit because of unconfessed sin. And so, something I think is very important for us to do is to pray the prayer that David prayed and say, search me, oh Lord, search me. Is there something inside of me that's not pleasing to you? Is there something inside of me that's keeping me from the fullness of God? I'm going to tell you this, and this is for real. If there's ever been a time that you feel like you can't enter in or you can't feel the presence of God, when you start confessing, when you start going before him and saying, God, forgive me. I mean, go before him. Search me, Lord. If you're like, I, I can't even think of anything. Search me. Oh, God, forgive me for that attitude I had. Sometimes it's not even a physical outward sin. Sometimes it's an inward attitude of the heart that you need to go before the Lord and say, God, I confess this before you. Forgive me. Anytime you ever do that before the Lord, I'm telling you, his presence shows up every time. Every time I've ever confessed anything to the Lord, he's right there. Right there. Forgive me, God, for my doubt. Forgive me, God, for my lack of faith. Forgive me for my attitude, Lord. Forgive me for my rebellion, Lord God. Forgive me for my disobedience. Forgive me when you told me to go and I didn't go. Whatever it is. You ask him to forgive you, and he shows up right there. Sometimes I've seen people um, come before the Lord, and they want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and there's something that's kind of hindering and lacking, and they start repenting. And there's been times people I've seen go through deliverance and literally have strongholds cast out of them, and then boom, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them up, and it's like a powerful thing. But we need to, we need to go before the Lord and ask him to forgive us for, for any sin that would be hindering, and, uh, hindering us from receiving. Repent and ask God to forgive us and he will fill us. The Bible says that when Peter preached, they were cut to the heart. Friends, we need to get to that place again that we allow the Lord to cut our heart. And what I mean by that is not like how the world cuts and it, and it, and it never heals, but when Jesus, when, when he cuts, it's surgical. It's to bring healing, friends. You're going to get cut either way, but at least with Jesus, it's surgical and there's going to be a healing that takes place and you're going to walk out better. Like, when I was living with my gallbladder, it wasn't feeling good. I ate Pastor Earl's fried chicken one time, and it sent me for a It sent me something just terrible. So I had to get cut to get that out so that I could walk whole, and now I can eat this fried chicken, and it's all good, friends. I haven't had it in a while, hint, hint. But, I mean, I'm telling you, it's all good, right? That's the kind of surgery that God does is the kind to bring healing it's to bring healing so that you can walk better and you can walk before him. We need conviction. Conviction is a good thing. Why is it that we're afraid to receive conviction? There's a, conviction is not the same as condemnation. The enemy brings condemnation. Oh, you messed up and, 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 and you feel unworthy and you can't ever do anything. Conviction is when the Holy Spirit says, oh, oh, don't do that. Or, oh, you did that. Now I'm telling you to, to repent from that so that I, can, I can make you well again. But we want, we want to stay away from all of it and pretend it's not there, but conviction brings us close to the Lord. See, I'm not impressed with the kind of revival that impressed me in my early years with Christ of the kind that, man, you're just jumping up and down. You're jumping off the stage like I did last week. <laughs> I'm still gonna do when the Holy Ghost tells me to, right? But I'm not impressed with how high I can jump off the stage when I'm underneath the presence of the Lord. I want to walk straight before him. That's the kind of revival that I want to see. True awakening, true transformation, that is not just when you're in church and you get a goosebump. No, it's, the, it's the, the kind of revival that calls you to holy living, friends. And the only way you walk in that kind of revival is when you repent repent. The kingdom of God is near. That is the message that Jesus preached. It should be the message that we preach today. Oh, I don't have to repent. I've been saved for for 20 years. I've been saved for 30 years. I've been saved longer than you've been alive. That's okay. I guarantee you the Pharisees were saved longer than Jesus was alive too, but they had to repent. Come on, friends. The first sign that you're becoming like a Pharisee is when you stop repenting before the Lord. I'm going to let that one sink in for a minute. Mm. This is the thing, friends. Oftentimes in our sin, we start feeling um, this need uh, to get right with God. But instead of seeking his face, we only seek his hand and what he can do. A lot of times God will bring us to rock bottom so that we can look up and repent. But what the enemy comes in when we're at that place of rock bottom and says, oh, well, if you just fix this. If you just get yourself cleaned up and off of drugs or if you just, you know, have someone help you, you, you need a place to stay right now so maybe you can go to the church and they can pay for, you know, first month's uh, uh, rent. And We've done different things like that before and I'm not saying we, we won't do that again because we will when God leads us to. But this is the thing. Oftentimes when we're in that rock bottom place, we're only looking out for our needs instead of looking out to his, we're looking to his hand instead of to his heart. And God wants to take us from being needy to being hungry. See, a needy Christian is a person who is always saying, God, fix this in my life. A hungry Christian is saying, God, I want you in my life. I want your presence in my life. I want all of you. And if nothing ever gets fixed around me, I don't know. I just need you. I just want you. I just want to hunger after you. See, God has put an appetite in each one of us, a craving in each one of us to hunger and thirst After him, but oftentimes we try to fill that with worldly things, and we're never gonna be satisfied with that stuff. God wants us to hunger after him so he can fill us with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's not just it, that's just the beginning, friends. Just the beginning. We need to go from needy to hungry. Could someone catch that in here today? I love this quote: I'm sick and tired of life with no desire. I don't want to be a flame, I wanna be a fire. Right? I wanna be a fire. Second uh, Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive them and heal their land. We want revival. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to repent. So the next hindrance I want to talk about today that kind of keeps us from receiving the fullness of God is also being uneducated in the word of God or what I like to say, biblically illiterate, being ignorant of the things of God, or being even just unaware. I remember talking to my mom and she said, you know, I just never even heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I only heard of being baptized in water. I just never even know such a thing existed. And a lot of times we don't know because we're not being taught or not reading our Bible because it's all throughout the book of Acts. If you actually read it, and even through the epistles. But a lot of times we're hindered from receiving it Just from our lack of knowledge. The reason we named, 10 10 years ago, named our church vision is the scripture that says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Being uneducated in the word of God. It doesn't mean you have to go and get some kind of uh, theology degree or or divinity degree, but it, it means that we need to be in his word. It's so important. You know, it only takes 15 minutes a day to actually read the entire Bible in a year. Just 15 minutes a day. That's like nothing. That's like less than most of us take a shower. You know what I'm saying? Like you can carve out 15 minutes. I'm not talking about like what it takes to like to lose weight. You know what I'm saying? That takes more than 15 minutes a day. You know, I wish there was a 15 minute a day diet. I would so sign up for it, right? But it only takes 15 minutes a day to read your entire Bible in a whole year. There's really just no excuse except for the enemy comes in and wants to hinder us because he knows if we get it for ourselves, like the the minister, like, pastor Scott spoke last week, anything that you're going to get from me right now is not going to be meat. It's going to be bread. It's going to be milk because I ate the meat when he gave it to me. And now I'm giving you milk. That's how it works. It's like the bird who goes out and get the mama bird who gets the worms for her, for her, for her babies. She's got the meat, but she's on chewed it up. And you know that, you know how birds do, it's kind of nasty, but whatever. it made it where the baby bird can eat it right? This, what I'm giving you right now, it's probably not, it's not hitting you the way it hit me when I first received. When I first received, I'm like, whoa. Right now, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's that's good. You know, maybe you can hear God's voice within my voice, but this is not the meat. If you want the meat, you got to get in the word of God yourself. You got to get in the word of God yourself. God wants to take us from needy to hungry friends, and that means Hungry for his presence, hungry for his word. What did Jesus say? Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's even called the bread of life, right? That's good stuff, friends. Amos 8.11 says, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of God. Of the Lord. Friends, I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been in that that time for some time now where the, the people the word of God is so scarce in our land. It's so taken out of context. It's so preached from false and wrong motives that we don't even under, understand the true unadulterated word of God when it's being spoken to us anymore. We need to get into the word. We need to ask the Lord, God, help us have a love for your word. Help us have a love for your presence. Help us have a hunger for these things. And God will just move in your life when you allow him to do that. He will, he will show you that he has so much more for you. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask for it. You've got to want it. See, the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, the door will be open. We've got to ask. See, a lot of us haven't, maybe, or many of us maybe haven't even heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not the fact that we're uneducated with the Word of God. Maybe it's just we're unaware. This happened in the Bible in Acts 19. I'm going to read this to you, 1 through 7. It says, Paul took the road uh, through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. He there found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What did he ask them? Did you receive the what? The Holy Spirit when you believed. See, because Jesus said, I'm not leaving you as orphans, but I'm I'm going so I can send the Holy Spirit who's greater than I. So he said, hey, did you, you believe in Jesus, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. There is so many in the church, especially even still in America and around the world, that have never even heard of the Holy Spirit. They've believed in Jesus, but they have not heard of the Holy Spirit. And God, God wants us to understand. So Paul asked this, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, Paul said, John, baptism was baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, and that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There was about 12 men in all. Friends, God wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to speak in tongues. He wants you to prophesy. When we speak in tongues, we don't need to be spooked out about that, man. It's a perfect prayer language. It's, it, I, I went into a little more detail. First service, you have to listen to that because I'm going in a different direction. But God has it for you. It's a gift for you. He doesn't give you a gift that you can't use. His gifts are supernatural, so they're practical and supernatural. You can use it for, for now, and it's going and, and to make you walk in a way that you've never walked before. It's amazing. Many of us are still like the Ephesian disciples who told Paul, no, I've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. See, 1 Corinthians 12.1, Paul says this, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Come on. God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to have a hunger after what he has. The third thing that I believe uh, really hinders us, the first we, we talked about unrepentant or unconfessed sins, then we talked about being unaware or uneducated of the gift of God. Now we're going to talk about uneasiness. And I believe this one is the one that really affects a lot of people, okay? And when I mean uneasiness, I mean like the feeling of being uncomfortable around the things of God, being afraid, which kind of is interesting to me because our culture in a whole is so obsessed with the supernatural, we're so obsessed with a paranormal, I mean, there's so many shows, and I mean, you know, about you know ghosts and, you know, whatever, hauntings, and we're like obsessed with this, but then when we come to church, and, and we're like, oh, that's one of those churches that believe in the Holy, Spirit. oh, I don't know, man, I don't know about that, they believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, I don't know, man, I don't know if that's for today, <laughs> and we get spooked out by it. But listen, friends, it's it's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is who he is. He doesn't, and that's the enemy that wants you to get spooked out by by God because he doesn't want you to receive what God has. But his word, and Timothy says, God does not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, right, but of power, uh uh-oh, power, dunamis, but of power, love, and a sound mind, friends. God wants to give you this gift. It's a present, like I said in the beginning when he showed me, um, when I was praying about today, he showed me a, a kid excited for a present. He said, that's how I want my children to be. I want them to come to the altar like it's Christmas morning saying, give me this gift. Nobody has to wake kids up on Christmas morning. Are you kidding me? They're up at like... 4 a.m., like, open pre- They're jumping on your bed saying, open, it's time to open presents. Nobody has to set an alarm on Christmas morning. Friends, we need to hit that we need to stop hitting that snooze button, and we need to run to the altars and say, man, I want the gifts you have for me, every single one of them. So when Shua got baptized in the Holy Spirit, after he waited for three years to receive this gift, um, he also started uh, giving getting another gift called tongues and interpretation he he started interpreting what other kids were 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 speaking in tongues he started understanding what they were saying and he began to interpret and he came to me he said mom this is what's going on I said that's awesome son what you just received is another gift it's called interpretation he said what are you to tell me that there is more than one gift I said well yes son tongues is just the beginning that's like nothing. That's like elementary when it comes to the spiritual gifts. There's so much more. He's like, and you can have more than one gift? I said, you can have all of the gifts. And he was like, Christmas morning, all of the gifts, I can get them all. I'm like, yes. All of them, they're all for you. All you gotta do is go to the Father and ask for them and he can give it to you, all of them. He's like, I want all of them. he's like, where do I find this? And I said, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. He's like, and he went home, he's like reading this. He's like, I want them all. And he's underlined them. I want want leadership, I want knowledge, I want faith. I want them all. I'm like, amen. You're allowed to ask for all of them. The Bible says we're allowed to covet spiritual gifts. The only thing in the Bible that says we're allowed to covet is spiritual gifts. Do not cover thy neighbor's wife, right? Thy neighbor's ox, land, thy neighbor's anything, right? We're not allowed any of that. But we're allowed to covet spiritual gifts because God put that in you, that hunger, that appetite, right? God put that 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 God created you to be addicted. We're just getting addicted to the wrong things. We're getting addicted to entertainment. We're getting addicted to drugs. We're getting addicted to girlfriend after girlfriend, boyfriend after boyfriend. We're getting addicted to all kinds of sexual perversion. We're addicted to all these things. But God created you to be addicted because he wants you to be addicted to his presence. And he has more than one gift for you, friends. The Bible says taste and see that he's real. We're supposed to just get a little taste and then want the real thing. Bring it all on. I want it all, man. There's something that is God-given in me. Even when I was a uh, young girl and they were sprinkling in, in the, in the um, church that I was going to with my grandparents, I said, I want to be baptized, but I don't want to take a little shower. I want to go swimming. And so I went down to Texas to my grandparents and, and, and who were baptized. I said, I want to get baptized that way. At nine years old, by myself, went to Texas to get baptized. the way I, I, My parents weren't even going to church. I don't know where. I, it was God-given in me that I want all of it. And when I encountered the Holy Spirit, I said, I want all of it, friends. We've got to get a hunger in us that we want all of it, every single part. We need to stop allowing the enemy to make us feel uneasy or uncomfortable. Oh, I don't know about all that. I I mean, like, will I go up there and lose complete control? You lost complete control when you was addicted to drugs and weren't worried about it then. Oh, I don't know about all that. I mean, like. Will he take over my mouth? You allowed the, you, that last relationship to take over all kinds of things that shouldn't have been taken over. Why are you afraid of God? He's not a man that he shall lie or a son of man that he shall change his mind. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why are we afraid of the things of God, friends? Why are we, oh, they're talking about some stuff in church that makes me feel uncomfortable. Listen, you could, we had more real conversations when we were in the world in the bar than we do at church, and that's a shame. Come on, friends, stop getting that legalistic spirit all over you. Like, I can't talk about that. I don't know. I don't know. You know, people are looking at me if I jump in in church or if I raise my hands. And and, You know, I'm a little, I've been saved long enough now, so I'm going to be dignified. No, man, forget that. David said, I'm going to be even more undignified than this. Josh and I had the opportunity to to, uh, speak at at TCS chapels, and uh, this is years ago. This girl's done graduated And um, doing you know as an adult now, but years ago when I when I preached there, uh, a young woman felt a call of God on her life to go into the ministry. And they have like a you know follow somebody around uh, type of day. I don't know you know uh, career career day. That's what I think it's called, um, where they shadow shadow someone. And so it was cool because she's a young woman, and and you know anytime I see a young woman who's called to, to preach. gospel I I have a special heart for them because when I was a young woman called I didn't know very many women that did it so I said you know yeah yeah you could come hang out with me and so we hung out and we came to church and we were in the office and we did some different things and she said you know the first time that you started coming and preaching at, at our school and the way you worshiped she said we were laughing at you like like she was like telling me something that I didn't that was gonna affect me I'm like that's cool I don't care She's like, I'm like, listen, if I was still trying to please people, Paul said, if I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You cannot serve both people and God, friends. We've got to get a made-up mind in the church and say, I want everything that he has for me. If you feel uncomfortable, rebuke the devil. If you feel uneasy, if you feel afraid, fear does not come from God, rebuke the devil. Say, I rebuke fear in Jesus' name and I tell it to go. I teach, we teach our kids this when they're little. When they're little and they're coming, oh, mom, I had a bad dream. Did you take authority and rebuke the devil? I need you to, no, you don't need me to do it. I'm not going to be with you your whole life, but Jesus is and the Holy Spirit is too. You take authority. Did you take authority? I had to learn that because when I came to my husband, I was trying to be needy. And every time when we lived in our little apartment and I would have a little bad day, I'm, honey, can, can, can you pray for me? Well, did you pray it? No, I need you to, no, go, go pray. You don't need me. You don't need to come through me to get to the father. Oh, I hated him for it, but I'm so grateful now. <laughs> Come on, friends. You have direct access. And that's what's the beautiful thing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's direct access, friends. Direct access to what God has for you. Why don't you stand up to your feet with me today? Man. God is so good, friends. I'm telling you, it's time to get hungry. If you are tired of just being needy and you want to be hungry, can you say, I receive that today? Yeah, come on. If you're like, God, I'm ready for the fullness of God, can you say, I receive that today? God has a gift. He has a gift for you. He wants to touch you. If you want some prayer and, and something today minister to you, maybe you just want to hunger more after God. Maybe you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want that gift right now, man, I encourage you. Come on up here. We want to pray for you. Maybe you've already received it, but you just need a fresh touch from the Lord today. It's okay to say, I want more. It's, it's, oh, God wants you to want more. So if that's you today, would you just come on up, right on up here. If you want more of God today and you're saying, God, I just want more of you, would you just touch me? We're going to worship. We're going we're gonna to worship the Lord a little bit longer here. And we'll, eventually we're going we're gonna to pray for you. But just get in his presence. God, I just want more of you. I want to hunger and thirst. I want to hunger and thirst for you, Jesus. More of you, more of you. Would you just raise your hands before the Lord, friends? I want to speak a blessing over everybody today. Pastor Joshua's in the back. He's going to greet people, and we're going to just pray. When you have to leave, that's fine, but we're going to pray up here, and we're going to worship and seek his face. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for every single person, every single man, woman, and child in this sanctuary and in this entire church building today, the kids in the nursery and preschool and kids' church. Lord, I just pray an anointing on them. God, I pray when they leave out of this place that they would feel like they only had an appetizer, that they would be hungry for more. God, make us hungry for your presence, Lord. Make us hungry, Lord God, for true revival and transformation in our city and in our life, Lord God. God, I pray that you would help us decrease so that you can increase in our life today. God, I speak a blessing over every single person in this room. Let them know they are the head and not the tail. Let them walk victoriously in you. Let them hunger and thirst for righteousness and fill them today in Jesus' name.